Get Back to Basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Hi, and a very good afternoon to you. Wonderful to be in your company again on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon here in the Highfelt. Great to be with you. Great to be chatting with you and sharing and comparing notes, things that are of interest and things that are important for us to know in our slot of Judaism 101.9. There is a very fascinating cycle of events that happen in the Jewish calendar, and interestingly enough, it all begins on this coming Shabbat. And that cycle of events is in the build-up to Purim and then Pesach, because we're celebrating two different realms of redemption on Purim and Pesach, and they're in close proximity to each other, exactly one month apart, There are, by design, four special Torah portions that are read and four special Shabbats, Shabbatot, that are celebrated in the build-up to Pesach. Two of them are before Purim and two of them are between Purim and Pesach. Those four special Shabbases, those four special Shabbats, have special parashiot, special Torah readings that are read on those Shabbos. We read the regular Parsha of the week, and then a second Torah is taken out of the Ark, together with the first, of course, but a second Torah is read, and that second Torah reading is something of significance, and it all begins on this coming Shabbat. The two Parshiot that precede Purim or the Parsha of Shkalim and Zachor. Shkalim will be this week, Zachor in a couple of weeks' time. And then we have Para between Purim and Pesach and Hachodesh on the Shabbos just before the month of Nisan. The Shabbos before Pesach is called Shabbat Hagadol. But interestingly enough, on that Shabbos, no special Torah reading is made. It is um, the big Shabbos that precedes Pesach, but there is no special significant Torah reading that is different from the regular Torah readings that we would read every single week. So I'd like to focus today, if I may, on the coming Shabbat, Shabbat Shkalim. Now, we all know the shekel, the concept of a shekel, is that it is a denomination of money. A shekel is an amount of silver. It is an amount, an amount that was minted into a coin and was known as a shekel. I think it is a renowned, probably, Christian source, which maybe has been kind of misinterpreted, and that is that money is the root of all evil. In fact, if you actually look at it, um, even in Christian terms, they talk about it's the love of money that is the root of all evil, not actually money itself. But Torah has a very, very unique and different view of money, particularly pertaining to this coming Shabbat, Parshat Shkalim. And perhaps if we could term it, money can be the root of evil, of course, but money in Torah terms is actually the root of all wonderful things. It is used as a great, a tremendous metaphor for 
life, for our relationship with God, for our relationship with each other, for marriage. There are so many different things that we learn from money and particularly from the concept of shkalim, of the shekels, and in this case actually half shekels, which had to be given in temple times. So let's kind of unpack this one step at a time, and let's focus today on this concept of shkalim, shekels, the shekel Shabbos. We're coming up to the Shabbos of shekels. Could you imagine? We have a Shabbos in the year that is named after a monetary denomination. This is the Shabbos of the shekels. And what is it really all about? Well, if we go back to Actually, the time that we were in the desert, when Moshe Rabbeinu, when Moses is commanded by God to build a mishkan, to build a tabernacle, there is something very, very novel about the idea of building that tabernacle. And that is that everything that we had previously deemed to be physical and completely devoid of any spirituality, God instructed Moshe to make a tabernacle, tabernacle, and that tabernacle, that tent, that Little Beit HaMikdash, that little temple, would be the epitome of how God would permeate, infuse every single physical item with spirituality. That you could take gold and you could take silver, you could take cloth, you could take material, you could take wood. Any of the items within that temple could be made holy. It was something that was absolutely novel. This was an idea that was born on Mount Sinai. It was brought to us with the Torah. The concept of the separation between the spiritual and the physical in this world came to an end at that moment. And now everything was enthused with spirituality, with godliness, with kedusha, with holiness. We could take physical items and we could turn them, we could transform them. We could bring out the real life within them, the holiness that existed within each and every one of those items. And so not the least of which was the concept of the half shekel. Now, yes, in the early stages, in other words, in desert times, it was used not only for the items and the on the agenda that we're going to discuss in a moment, but it was actually used as a form of a census as well. If people gave that coin, which was sort of, I guess, the lowest common denominator, it was an amount that everybody could afford, that everybody could give this half shekel, that when they were all counted together, we could take a census of the Jewish people. And there was a reluctance, and there always has been a reluctance, to actually number people, to count people, and give them a number, to reduce an individual to a number. We dare not reduce God to a number, which we've discussed before. We cannot reduce an individual to a number either. And, of course, painfully, we know that that was something that was not um, possibly thought through in this fashion, but that's exactly what those numbers did to the people who had them emblazoned upon themselves um, tragically, horrifically, terribly in the times of the Holocaust and so on, where people were reduced to numbers rather than having characters, names, souls, and so on. So when we think about the idea of counting people, it was replaced by counting a coin, a coin given to each individual or given by each individual. And when the coins were counted, we automatically had the census. We had the numbers of the Jewish people. But the idea of the half shekel from then on in 
was not used for the census, but rather for the communal contributions that had to be made to the temple. There were certain sacrifices that were brought on a regular basis on behalf of the whole community. There were many sacrifices that were of an individual nature, and those people had to bring of their own volition and out of their own pocket had to pay for those sacrifices. But when we were talking about the communal sacrifices, the things that were done on behalf of the community, we can think of many. There were certain uh, sacrifices, for instance, that were brought on a Shabbat for the community. There were sacrifices on Yom Kippur for the atonement. And there were certain other things that uh, were done in the temple that were of a communal nature, the upkeep of the temple, the uh, the cleaning, the maintenance, um, all of that sort of stuff needed to be paid out of this communal kitty, these communal funds which were collected in an equal way from each and every individual. There was a tax, a tithe of half a shekel that everybody had to give towards this communal fund. When we think about it, the idea of it being equal is significant, but even more so, the idea of it being a half a shekel rather than a whole shekel is significant as well. When we think about everything that we do in terms of Judaism, we always are trying to operate on the form of something that is whole, something that is complete. Think about it on a Friday night, on a Shabbat. We don't only have one full challah, we have two. We don't have an empty cup of wine, we have a full cup of wine. So what was this idea of the half shekel? Why is it so significant? And why is the money here perhaps the root of all good? Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Let's get back to our topic about um, Parashat Shkalim or Shabbat Shkalim. The shekel, Shabbos, the money, Shabbos, that is actually coming up. And, of course, don't get any ideas. Money is taboo on Shabbos. We cannot handle money on Shabbos. But it is named for the special parsha, for the special portion of Torah that we read pertaining to the concept of the donation of the half shekel that had to be donated to the temple. There is a very special and significant reason as to why it is read on this Shabbat which is always the last Shabbat in the month of Shvat. In other words, just before we get to the month of Adar. And that is because these taxes were actually due on the 1st of Nisan. Now, if you've ever wondered why there is a tax year that sort of comes out round about this time of the year, perhaps this also has to do with it, and uh, or maybe the originator of it, and that is that the taxes that had to be paid for temple usage had to be done before the first month, which is the month of Nisan, and the first of that month, the first of Nisan, which is the month in which Pesach occurs. So notices were sent out in temple times a month before, <laughs> much like, I guess, you start getting notices from... SARS to tell you that you uh, have a while, a short while to go until you've got to cough up, until you've got to pay your taxes. So here too, notices were sent out. People were informed, obviously not using the uh, same systems as we have at our disposal today, but people were informed that those taxes were about to be due and people wanted to get in early. Um, there was a keenness and enthusiasm to pay these taxes because we all understood that our spirituality, our godliness, the 
performance of our temple and so on relied so heavily on those tithes, on those taxes, people were enthusiastic. They were keen to pay. They wanted to pay in time. And therefore, tradition has it even today that in remembrance of this, we actually make sure that we have paid something to charity in the form of a half shekel or several half shekels, uh, because it is mentioned several times, before the Chag of Purim, before the festival of Purim. And the custom today is actually to do this on the day before Purim, on the fast of Esther. We all know that the day before Purim, we fast a fast in tribute to Esther and everything that she accomplished in that magnificent story of Purim. But let's get back to the idea of the half shekel. Well, the Torah itself mentions this idea of the half shekel in a peculiar way. It talks about a half shekel, so it mentions the half, and it goes on to mention that this shekel, that the whole shekel was made up of 20 geira, 20 Pots, let's call it 20 cents or 20 partitions, 20 smaller denominations that made up the whole shekel. The Torah could probably have just said, if it had wanted to, half a shekel, which is 10 geira, but it doesn't mention it like that. It mentions the half and it mentions the 20. Now, um, elsewhere in Torah, we have um, actually earlier on, we have an interesting mention of this half shekel once again, as well as the idea of the 20 geira. And that is when Eliezer, the famous Eliezer, servant of Abraham, is sent by Abraham, by Avram Avinu, he is sent to find a suitable partner, to make a shidduch, to find the marriage partner for his master's son, for Yitzchak Avinu, for Isaac. And he travels off, to go and visit with the relatives of Abraham Avinu and Sarah Imenu of Abram and Sarah in Haran, in the Iraq-Iran part of the world. That is where he travels to. And, um, of course, the whole story of when he arrives there and so on, a magnificent uh, piece of uh, of information, of literature, and of nuance that is contained therein. But strangely enough, or amazingly, there are no less than 67 verses that are attributed to this incredible shidduch, this meeting. It is particularly emphasized. It is particularly played out. It is um, drawn out, as some might think, where the entire experience happens, and then Eliezer repeats it all to the family when he gets there of exactly what happened and how it all went. But one of the significant startling points is that Abraham Avinu Abraham has sent with his servant Eliezer, he has sent him gifts for the bride-to-be. It's clear that Abraham Avinu knows exactly who he is targeting. Eliezer may seem to be a little unsure, and he does a kind of a test on her. He sees whether she is going to be kind to his animals, not only to him. He's going to test her behavior towards animals, her behavior towards this world, her behavior towards people, her dignity, her kindness. Those are the attributes that he is going to look for. And he makes a deal with God that if she will feed his camels um, with the water and not just him, that um, she will be the one. And, of course, it's instant, instantaneously. She arrives, Rivka, she does exactly as he had spelled out. He knows who it is, and he gives her the gifts. And the gifts are a nose ring, yes, strangely enough, a nose ring, and two bracelets. And the nose ring and the two bracelets 
Interestingly enough, are made up of the following denominations. It is spelt out quite clearly. It says that the uh, nose ring was a half a shekel, and the two bracelets were each ten um, geira. They were each made up of ten. In other words, um, there was the two tens and the one ring which was the half shekel. Now we think about this idea of um, the half shekel of the uh, denomination of 20 in the way that it is spelt out to Moshe Rabbeinu. And our sages want to know why it is, or we would possibly want to know why it is that it's not mentioned specifically there that they were 10 each. The idea of the half shekel, obviously, is a metaphor and obviously is being used to teach us something about marriage. It is used in this marriage that Eliezer makes for his master's son, for Yitzchak and Rivka. It is used there in the most beautiful fashion. And the idea of these denominations utilized there makes us automatically link the idea of the half shekel with marriage. And there are so many beautiful, beautiful ideas that one can convey about the concept of marriage. You know, unfortunately, in the world out there today, marriage has perhaps got a little bit of a bad name. Um, people aren't so keen to get involved in marriages. And if they are, not certainly not in the proper traditional Jewish Orthodox marriages um, that we um, that we think about, there is so many. There are so many different ideas and ideals as to what it means to actually live together and partner and uh, so on. Um, that the concepts of the real beauty of an absolute marriage, which is really a, a theme and an idea, an ideal that is carried throughout the whole Torah from the moment that Adam and Eve are placed on earth, there is the concept of marriage of the two parts of the same being actually being uh, born into different bodies, but really being connected in the most fundamental fashion. And then the idea of the chuppah, of bringing these two halves together again and uniting the souls, bringing them together as one as they originally were intended, that can only happen in the way that is designated by Torah in the godly fashion of the marriage um, that takes place under a chuppah in um, our richest and most beautiful tradition. But here, when we think about the concept of the half shekel, we think about the idea once again that each of these two people are halves, that we have the idea of the two halves coming together to form a whole, that we are not complete, we are incomplete. Yes, we always like to joke about the fact that a person is um, incomplete before he gets married, and and then when he gets married, he says he's finished. But we talk about rather than being finished, we talk about being complete. The idea of being complete, of complementing each other, of no longer just being a half, but now being whole, of understanding that now you have taken into your orb and into your realm and into your body and into your soul, you have taken and united with the other um, party, with the other part of yourself, of your being, and that you can only and you will only and you do only function together as a team, as a unit, as a united front, doing everything for the goodness of yourselves, of your family, 
and your families and your community and in fact the whole world in this beautiful union that we term that we call marriage the idea of the two halves coming together now perhaps the concept of not mentioning specifically when we talk about the half shekel the idea of 10 each but rather 20 as being the united number is that in fact yes um, the world would want us to believe that each one of us is as they would term it a perfect 10 we're not a perfect 10 um, nobody is actually perfect there is probably and possibly no such thing there are the blemishes there are the the difficulties but when you do get together and you are together as one and you unite together as one it's not a matter of whether you are a perfect 10 and the other one is or isn't but rather that together you're a perfect 20 you come together to unite to form this Bond this unit that can go so much further than two perfect tens that can be so much more empowered and so much more spiritual and so much more um, godly than each one being a perfect ten. The idea of the completion actually adds something to each one as much as it adds to the union, to the togetherness that is there um, for us to look at, to behold, and to enjoy the uh, the produce thereof, the beautiful, beautiful mitzvot of a family that operates in unison, that operates together. So the idea of the half shekel is actually such a beautiful concept when we think about it in terms of marriage. But yes, of course, we take everything, and you know, we've spoken about it before here, but uh, just to remind you, refresh your memories, you know, on a Friday night, when you come home from shul, one of the things that we do is we sing the Eshet Chayil, Eshet Chayil Miyinsa. Now, yes, traditionally, we think about that as being a great praise from the husband to the wife, that the man says, how wonderful is my wife, a beautiful woman of valor who can find, and of course, um, the women of the household deserve every compliment that they are given and that they could possibly be given. But that's not necessarily directly what this psalm and the song, this, uh, uh, I, this beautiful, beautiful poetry is really all about. It is perhaps much more about us and our bride, the Jewish people and Shabbat, or us and God, the Jewish people and God or God and the Jewish people. God looks at the Jewish people as being his other half. And when we think about that, we realize that without God in our lives, we are half. Without God in our lives, never mind the idea that we could possibly be striving to be the perfect ten. But actually, we are half if at if if it's actually 50% at all, but we're only a half. We're not complete. We can only be complete when we are together. We can only be complete when we're united and when we have God in our lives. We can only be complete when we have a Torah and we have our mitzvot, the things that we follow, the things that we keep, and we study and we learn and we grow together. That is actually the idea of this half shekel, of the idea of the half being united into the whole and forming that perfection that we attain thereby. Be back with you right after this. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. So we've discussed that the Parsha Shkalim is that kind of reminder of the fact that we've got to get our taxes ready and that we need to remember our communal obligations. But perhaps there is a slightly deeper idea which I'd like to share with you now, and that is the idea of the fact that 
You know, if, uh, God forbid, your doctor told you that you had to get your finances in order, you would know that uh, there was trouble brewing. There was something wrong. Um, your uh, life expectancy wasn't that long or that great. God forbid. However, when the Torah tells us to get our finances in order, it's actually telling us that Geula is coming, redemption is coming. The idea of the fact that we are told that now we've got to get our finances in order, we need to remember about these tithes, these half shekels. It's not only a reminder of the fact that we are soon, please God, going to be seeing the uh, temple, the Beit HaMikdash, rebuilt in its rightful place in Yerushalayim, on the Harabait, on the Temple Mount. But it's also telling us that the Geula, the redemption of Purim is coming. The fact that one redemption is going to be followed by another redemption. And of course, they go kind of in an ascending order because we have with the festival of Purim, which comes first, there is the idea of a redemption that seems to take place in a very down-to-earth kind of a fashion. It is a whole series of events that happen between people, a whole series of strange and wondrous and wonderful coincidences that take place. There are so many things that go on between the people, the characters that are involved, that in fact in the entire Megillah, God's name is not even mentioned. We're not talking about um, huge, um, earth-shattering, um, nature-changing miracles that happen at all. We're talking about very down-to-earth, so, so it would seem, interactions between people and the idea that we need to see the godliness within all of that. When it comes to Pesach, a month later, of course, we're celebrating the great, wonderful, earth-shattering experiences or sea-shattering experiences that take place for the Jewish people, great and wondrous miracles, whether it is the ten plagues, that get us out of Egypt, whether it's the crossing of the Red Sea, whether it's the fact that the manna fell in the desert or the water that came out of the rock or the water that turned from bitter to sweet, whatever it was, all of those things were great and incredibly powerful supernatural miracles. So whether we are talking about the miracles of just life itself or whether we're talking about the supernatural miracles or whether we're talking about our money versus our spirituality – Perhaps this is a message for us to realize that, hey, one second, take a look at your finances carefully. You look at your affairs, get your monetary affairs in order, in order meaning that you have to understand and you have to know that the charity that you give is of paramount importance, that your ut uh, utilization of your finance for good and wonderful things is a privilege and an honor that's bestowed upon us by God himself, that we can use it for so many good things that it could be the root of all good rather than, God forbid, the root of all evil. We have the ability to take it, to utilize it, to use it correctly. And perhaps that is the timely reminder of this coming Shabbat of Shkalim. Remember the importance of seeing the money, the gifts that Hashem has bestowed upon you as being not necessarily yours, but it's put in your safekeeping to be used correctly, to be given to those who are less deserving, to be given as charity when the people come calling, to be utilized for good projects and for good things and for the betterment of your loved ones, of your family, of your community and so on rather than, God forbid, having to spend them on things that are negative or just throwing your money away, which, by the way, is not allowed according to Judaism either. So, Shkalim comes around to tell us to get our financial affairs in order, 
and not because tragedy is coming, not because negativity is coming, not because, God forbid, death is coming, but rather because life is coming, rather because redemption is coming, because we've got to know that it's only through those finances and our recognition of the fact that it comes from the Almighty himself and the idea that we are only a half and not a whole. It is only because of that that we prosper, we survive, and we do see those miracles. Back with you right after this. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. So in the first of our four special Shabbats, our four, four special Shabbases, our four special weekends that come up between now and Pesach, we are beginning on this coming Shabbat with the Parshat Shkalim, Parsha of the Shekels. And on this particular Shabbos, we focus on money. We focus on the importance of that money. You know, um, they do say that uh, money is negative, but money can and does help to make the world go around. Money can be utilized so negatively, but it can be used in such a positive fashion. And when we think about the lineup of these four parishes, the first one is about recognizing that everything that we have is from Hashem himself, and therefore we just are the conduits through which it is brought into this world, and we need to share and care in a proper um, and a committed fashion in order to bring about that unity that we strive for and that we hope and pray for. We then move on a few weeks later to the Parsha of Zachor to remember that there are the remnants of Amalek, Amalek being the symbol of doubt, of a lack of enthusiasm, of uh, dispassionate, uh, completely um, dull kind of uh, attribute, a lifeless type of an application. Uh, we're told to really put effort in and to make sure that we destroy those negative impulses or those ne- negative thoughts and there can possibly be nothing more negative than something that is just negative and let's get rid of negativity and when we then move on and we get a little bit closer to Pesach we speak about the para aduma the idea of recognizing that we spiritually need to purify ourselves we need to take the Torah and mitzvot that we have and utilize them in a way of purification so that we can bring about the ultimate gula, the ultimate redemption, which comes when we live our lives according to hachodesh hazelachem, according to the uh, principles of a Torah calendar, which is not only just a calendar in time, but it's a calendar in space and a calendar in spirituality as well. And so hopefully... Beginning with this Shabbat, this Shabbos of Parshat Shkalim, we will recognize our incompleteness as individuals and therefore the need of others, not only our dearly beloveds, our spouses, our families close to us, but moreover our community and how much more so our God who is the other half that we need to recognize and realize Um, the unity that it creates when we bring our half, he certainly delivers a lot more than his half. Look forward to being back with you again, same time, same place, next week on Judaism 101.9. And this is Rabbi Michael Katz wishing wishing you a great rest of the week, a great Shabbat up ahead, and look forward to seeing you soon.